You're currently listening to the free version of Let Me Talk. If you want longer, ad-free episodes, even earlier, head to lmtpod.com to find out how you subscribe. Let me talk! Let me talk! Let me talk! Hello and welcome to Let Me Talk Details. This is a respite from the weekly whirlwind of top flight football. This is a space to break down the big picture topics and get into the details away from the game-by-game analysis. I'm David Mooney. As ever, the Athletic City correspondent Sam Lee is alongside me. Hello. And we've got a special guest today, Sam. Yeah, we have. We've got Izzy Christensen. Great to be here, boys. Let Me Talk Details is a platform for you to get involved as well. We'd love to hear from you, so email hello at lmtpod.com if you've got any questions, thoughts or ponderings about City or football in general. Here's an interesting one that uh, could get quite big quite quickly. This, um, is, this is the details. Anyway. Yeah, this is, the, this is, this is detail. Um, and you can read into this question however you like. But I'm interested in knowing how you think City have changed down the years. Go as far back as post-takeover, as only Pep. I mean, because there's been different iterations of Pep teams. How they've changed. Yeah. Or how they've stayed the same but got better, if that makes sense. That makes sense. They've always had this premise of signing players and staff, I believe, to sign and recruit good players mm. or good staff and good people. Now, that seems somewhat simple, doesn't it? Like a concept that you'd probably think everywhere, everywhere that, does yeah. that. Yeah, we, we like to have good people in our organisation. But I feel like that is one of the reasons why City are where they are. Mm. I think the take football out of the equation, what I see and felt at the club and see it and feel it beyond being at the club full-time is how friendly staff are. Like, you drive through the gates. I've done many games at City or at the uh, the CFA, um, working for media or whatever, and it's like you go in and the person that you first acquainted with when you get there is friendly. Mm. And then that transitions to the next person you're acquainted with. And then, I don't know, I just feel like that is one of the reasons. It might, it might sound absolutely ridiculous, how can you be successful because you get a smile from the, the guy receptionist at security? Thing, yeah. But I think it infiltrates through the club. Mm. It sets a tone for the day. It sets a tone for the, I don't know, I just think that that's one of the reasons why they, they've they sustained what they're doing and why they will continue to because those habits will never go away. Mm. It's interesting because I mentioned this after the, the Forest game recently when the one after Rodri got sent off because... You're always trying to give good examples, you know, in my job in particular, like why why a city so successful? And I was asked recently, like, at Chelsea, like, it was quite a direct question, but like, who's responsible for, for Chelsea only winning like, five games in 2023 or whatever? And you think, well, I was like, it comes down to, like, the culture in the club. But then, like, to try and explain that in a minute over a Zoom call, I was like, well, where, where do you start with that? Um, but I, the example I used after the Forest game was, I don't know if you've heard this, Izzy, but, like, According to people around Forest, like the owners, they don't really like Steve Cooper, apparently, and they're they're a bit jealous of him because obviously they they stayed up last season, but they were like, we should get the credit for this because we've 
spent the money and invested in these players. But it's the manager who's getting their credit and they're kind of almost waiting for an excuse to get rid of him because they can't get rid of him now because the fans love him so much and they're kind of jealous. Yeah, I, I, and it, I find this only, thinking mad though. It's because... only examples like that, which is like so mental, where you think actually the fact that like everyone kind of gets on it and is nice. Actually, you know, that isn't normal, actually. I mean, to but be if, fair, what's going on a forest isn't normal. But let's but say if they, yeah. if they sack Cooper and the new whoever they get in to, to replace them does well and, yeah, and they yeah. get the credit, the, the, the same cycle is going and on and on and on. It gets worse because if you sack a popular manager, then you're yeah, the fans are not popular. Yeah, yeah. good. So based on that, why did they back him last season when everybody was saying he was... Yeah, no, I, hmm. I don't know. That's strange. Jealousy is probably the worst trait, isn't it, ever beyond football hmm. in life. I think jealousy is like the most toxic trait yes. ever. And I don't know, like when you talk about leadership, it's like delegation is probably the most important thing with leadership. So if you are an owner of a football club and you make decisions, you've got a sporting director, etc. those people all have to be able to delegate mm. and also be happy to sit in the shade when the manager is the person that faces the light every day, if mm. that makes sense. And funnily enough, I was I had to write an article recently as well around the Arsenal game. And it was our city, it was about City after Pep. And one of the questions I had to answer was, are they our city set up better than United were when Ferguson left and Arsenal were when Arsene Wenger left? And then you think that comes down to structure again. Because City structure, you know, unless all the kind of sporting directors and all go CEOs at the same time as well. Yeah. But it's pretty strong. Obviously, when Ferguson left, David Gill left, and they basically haven't replaced either of them. You've had that kind of vacuum of there have been people there, but not necessarily, you mentioned having the right people and the right mm. jobs or touched on, you know, having those roles at least. You need the right people. And also, Arsenal, it's only, I think it's interesting because I think Arteta showed that once the results start getting better, all those complaints kind of go away. Like, Arsenal was so toxic for a while. And I was Googling articles to kind of find examples. I was like, what was the exact board situation? And it was around the time that, you know, Granite Jacker mm-hmm. got taken off and I had to go with the fans and um, they, was, they were pissed off with the players. Unai Emery was the manager. And you think, who who's in the, the leadership positions? And this is kind of interesting because it's like, is it just better now because Arteta's done such a good job on the pitch that you've got no reason to complain? And is Edu as a sporting director doing a better job than the predecessor or is like the manager just getting the best out of it or have things come together on the pitch where things kind of fit because before it seemed like Arsenal's structure it was only when they seemed to get a specialist in and let I'm, um, I'm wondering focus on being the CEO which is the problem with United with Ed Woodward he was kind of a money man made to like do the the football business mm. but it was only when Edu kind of came in and started doing it I'm going to do the football and Vinay you can go and do CEO stuff, that their structure kind of seemed to work and that fitted together with Arteta and that's all like kind of insulated Arsenal from the problems they were having and you just go back to Pep eventually leaving. I'm, there's I'm, going to be a massive drop. I think that, well, I don't know about massive, but there's going to be a drop-off. But if you've got that structure around and the culture's still fine and things are still working, it's okay. But then... I'm the wondering how is, that goes though because... If it doesn't I, work on the pitch, then you start moaning. I, I don't and know. And all of a sudden you start going, well, that shit, that shit. But I don't know how long that culture's been there at City with the people that are there now. Because you think of you think of the managers that were there before Guardiola was there. And like Mancini's results on the pitch were fine. Hmm. But it was everything else that came with him that ended up costing him his job. I don't know how much of, of Pellegrini the end of Pellegrini's tenure was was just everything being set up waiting for Guardiola to arrive. 
Yeah. Because but then that, that, didn't, that, that didn't insulate the team and the performances from... It wasn't crisis mode, was it? But the performances you know, were not good. The last few months of Pellegrini compared to even like the... The first few months of Guardiola. The, yeah, I mean, obviously the first few months of Guardiola was up and down, but you could tell it was going somewhere. But it, it's no guarantee that having that structure worked. Because like I say, if the next manager comes in after Pep and the results aren't good, and let's say, for example, Cheeky leaves, all of a sudden you start going, is that new sporting director just as good? Because when for one, the results aren't right, in the media and as fans you start Someone looking needs, at yeah. you start blaming the finger gets pointed yeah. if, if, you, if you rewind to the Mancini reign am I right in saying Rubinho was signed uh, just, bef- was huge, yeah, just before just Mancini. before Mancini yeah he was huge and he was at Man City for how long oh good question um, not season, long season and a half yeah, yeah so this is my point in that you would never see a Rubinho, for example, player signing for City now. The long term. Yeah, yeah, yeah. like, they always get linked with like Neymar every summer. He's thinking that. He would never come. Mm. Never. Neymar's obviously amazing. He's better than Rubinho, but Exactly, but just I'm like, just saying it's what comes with Neymar yeah, yeah. would never be seen That's at City. It's like you can have superstars, mm. Erling Haaland, Kevin De Bruyne, Foden, Grealish, but never, ever at the expense of the wider team and goal and, ethos, and club yeah. and ethos and that's you know clubs do that now they sign players for basically a marketing stunt well Solskjaer said recently I mean, he, I knew I knew for a fact he'd said this privately but he has said it now in an interview Ronaldo Ronaldo was mm. the biggest mistake he made as United manager and again I saw like speaking about like influences in the media I saw Mark Goldbridge I didn't even read the whole tweet but it was like how can Solskjaer say that bringing him back was a mistake because he scored X goals, blah, blah, blah. But it's like, he basically ruined the whole thing. Like, in terms of, they had a team that was set up to kind of press and be energetic and they couldn't do that anymore. Or at least Solskjaer wasn't kind of capable to at least make Ronaldo do the bad. Yeah. But whatever, they couldn't do that anymore. Mm-hmm. But he ruined, basically ruined Maguire. Yeah. Like, you know, there was a, there was like, also suddenly there was like a clique in the dressing room of like Ronaldo and his mates and like the English lads. And it was like Ronaldo trying to take over the, it just ruined the whole thing. Mm-hmm. And just, and, but going back to like, had, had City signed Ronaldo, maybe, you know, maybe that's why it was never going to happen um, because of that reason. But that, that would have been a year before Haaland. But imagine they had signed Ronaldo and let's say Pep had managed to make it work. He can do the bare minimum pressing-wise and everyone else would assume the responsibility. Chances are he'd probably make that work. But then when it comes to signing Haaland, you'd have had another kind of Ibrahimovic messy situation where you've got a guy who is quality, and believes he's quality, but cannot deal but in the with way. being moved out of the way to let this guy flourish. That would have been fascinating. But again, it probably goes back to what you're saying. They probably would have never signed Ronaldo for that. I remember thinking, or being told, that Guardiola was thinking, we need goals that much that I, I would make it happen. But I know Paul, who's obviously, Paul's brilliant. And Paul was always saying, like, no, they wouldn't have done it. Um, it's, 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 that's a proper sliding doors moment there, mm-hmm. like just if they had signed Ronaldo. But again, it, it yeah. illustrates the point that it's character, character back to is, little things like this. It's, and it's yeah. not like City get it right every time but you know it's, like you're yeah. saying as well it's not even it's not even the players it's the stuff around the place it's also remnant in the women's team right because contractually obviously women's football versus men's football is absolutely worlds apart mm. no problem okay that's where we are City would never go and pay top dollar for a top women's player who's won the Champions League who's done it all bring them into the team because of the wages. Hmm. Now, that's not because they can't afford it. Hmm. It's because they would never, ever deviate from the structure that they've got and the recruitment process of signing a player. What they offer a player is 
a salary, of course, yeah, a contract, yep. But it's the package that comes with it mm. in terms of you are signing into, you're, you're joining a culture where the training is repetitive, it's detailed, we play a certain system and this is the way that we play. Some players want that and some players don't want that. Yeah, and yeah. that is why City are linked with certain players, but they would never deviate. If, if, if there was a perfect striker out there for Man City women right now, but came at a massive price, they wouldn't sign them. Is that what kind of knock-on effect would that have? Is that because as well? Because if, if the wages are massive, well, we, the other girls in the change room will be like, well, hold on a minute. Is that part of it? It's part of it, but it's also part of the belief and strength in the processes they've got within the club. That if you sign, so there's a player, an Australian international called Mary Fowler, hmm. and I think she could be one of the best, one of the best players in the world, right? She signed for City, it was either, no, it was two seasons ago. She didn't play much. She hasn't played much. And I hope that she plays more this season because of how quality she is. But she signed a four-year deal and she's signed into a culture where her game is going to improve. But it's now, I think she's at a really pivotal point right, where she to, needs yeah. game time now. So it'll be interesting to see how that evolves this season. But generally speaking, they won't deviate because they know that if they sign a player, they will improve within their structure. Mm. And I don't think any other club in, in the country can give a player that much assurance than what they've produced and what they have produced in the past. And that just comes down to then the player. Do you want to sign into that chance to grow or do you want to sign into another club where you might play a multitude of positions or you might... It comes down to the player's choice. And if they don't want to go to City, that's then... City, you know, shake their hands and wish them well. Just in terms of that insight inside the club, I think generally listening to this, there'll be obviously a lot of fans of the, the men's team, not so much the women's team, but also know that there is kind of a shared culture across how it's run. But it goes back to last season when City were really struggling and it just seemed like if Gareth Taylor had been in charge of any other club, they would have said, OK, you're gone now. But City didn't do that. And I remember feeling there was a lot of people even like around the women's game going... Why is, unusual, right, yeah. why is that? And obviously, as, as, even kind of as a fan of the men's team and the women's team, kind of in the orbit somewhere, just kind of aware of going, well, I guess that's just because this is City and they don't like to panic and they don't like to sack managers, et cetera, et cetera. But like, what's your kind of my view, view on that? My view on that was um, knowing Gavin Makel, who's the managing director of the women's team, I couldn't see him doing that, as in relieving the manager hmm. of his duties. Um because of the trust that he has within the system. And I think that Gareth Taylor signed a new one-year deal. Mm. So he's there for this season. And beyond that, I don't know what's going to happen. But I reckon that's his kind of way of saying, um, you've got a year now. Because I don't think, I know City inside out and I know they need to be in the Champions well, this, League. This They're not in the Champions League. Top three in the WSL qualify for Champions League. City finished fourth last season, so they haven't got it. So I think the pressure is on. Gareth Taylor this season, yes, but not in not a... Not to the extent that he would, like, if it had been yes. another club, where you have to be in the Champions League, yes. he might have gone already. Yeah, he's been given the trust, the faith, and the... You know, they've only made one signing this season. So he's got pretty much the same squad. The signing they've brought in is, is a fantastic player. So it'll be interesting to see how they do this season. We'll be back in a few minutes after an ad break. Speak to you shortly. <laughs> 
Let Me Talk is sponsored by you, the listeners. The best way to support the podcast is by subscribing via Memberful. You can pay as little as £2 per month, which gives you early access to all our podcasts ad-free, and they're packed with even more content. That gives you even more minutes of us to fill up your week. Subscribing is really easy, and the longer episodes will integrate seamlessly with your podcast app of choice, be it Spotify or Apple. Head over to lmtpod.com for more information on signing up and links to all of our socials. Just back to City and how they've evolved. If, even if we just kind of take it back to your first answer of how have they stayed the same, let's say on the pitch, because Guardiola's principles, they're always the same. But there are there obviously have been tweaks that we saw last season in terms of the the characteristics of the players, you know, the the defending, the solid defending, obviously Haaland as well. Do you remember going back and watching the games, I mean, in terms of going back to last season, before things had clicked in like March, April, do you remember what you were thinking watching the team last year in terms of their adaptation to Haaland with your like analysis head on? Do you remember your your thoughts on how City were doing? The the best moments I think for City last season came from a second ball mm. or a ricocheted pass or an opposition turnover of possession. Because by design, I mean they scored a goal with forty six passes I believe by design this season right fantastic but the adaptation to Haaland was visible because people couldn't understand you know the thing you said earlier about the transitional game at Dortmund and now he's basically he's operating in a third of the pitch he's not operating in two thirds of the pitch the only time he drops out of his third the attacking third is to receive the ball off Edison now so he's he he operates in that moment. The physic the, the adaptation that I see has not come from the players around Haaland, it's come from Haaland and it's come from his movement. If you watch him off the ball, how sharp he is on the spin when he drops his shoulder and goes into the mm. space. Some people would say to me, Well, every striker can do that. It's it's not easy because it's the timing of when you do, do that. Mm. And in the Premier League, the the level, the margins mm. of being offside, the timing of the pass, etc. Yes, he's got players around him that can find that pass at the right moment, but it's a feeling and it's that rapport. And he's, it's... A, he's also got players around him who might turn down that pass when other teams wouldn't, when other teams would play it every yes. time. So it's also it's also yes. it's also the knowledge of when. Yeah. And if you look at him off the ball, he's like looking all the time, and he knows exactly when to arrive into the space. But it's it's a feeling for him mm. and. If you're asking about the role of De Bruyne and how we were speaking about Foden, De Bruyne, how their roles have changed at City over the years, De Bruyne must have been rubbing his hands together because the question mm. at the start of the season must be, well, what's he going to do with De Bruyne? What is he going to do with De Bruyne that's different, that's going to keep him amused? It's Haaland. It's like, mm. you know, bread and bread and butter for him. You know, he's got a, now got a striker that he can feed the ball into the spaces for. It's funny, he did an interview... <sighs> It would have been before Haaland had signed for City. It was just a kind of, you know, he was doing something for like a sponsor. And he was like, would you rather play with Messi or Ronaldo? And he said, Ronaldo, he was like, I'm a playmaker. He was like, Messi's a playmaker. He was like, give me a striker. And then obviously they'd sign Haaland after that. And he just think he's going to be excited by this. He's going to be motivated by somebody making those runs. Because again, like he went for a couple of seasons where he, even when he was playing false nine, he wasn't making those passes at all. But then even when he wasn't playing it, it was like, well, there's nobody really making those runs either. Since Aguero left, mm. he didn't really have that and he had to adapt his game. And that goes back to his quality. He can play in. He can play the same role on the pitch, but play different passes, which is something you don't necessarily you don't get realise. But then when Haaland comes in, 
he must have been absolutely laughing. And as well, if you watch Haaland's movement in the box, you know, when you're coached as a player, you're always coached, right, to say, move away originally to the space that you want to come into. So if, let's say, Cal Walker's looking like he's going to get into an overlapping fullback position, which we've seen him do, for the cutback, for the number 10 arriving late for the finish, that move only works if the number nine gets across the keeper at the front post, mm -hmm. right? Haaland always does the opposite of what you're coached to do, which is why I think he's also successful. There's a clip of him playing last weekend against Forest, right? And City are on the counter-attack and he's peeled off to the back post and you're thinking this is going to be a squared ball across the face of the box and Haaland's going to tap it in. The way he moves to the back post makes you think as a defender that he's going to come back in front of you. Yeah. So the defender then second guesses it and goes, well, I'm not going to follow him. Because I'm going to be in the space because that he I'm wants going to, to be, be in. the space yeah. that he's going to be in. The ball ends up getting blocked at the near post, so it never, nothing ever come of it. But it was the thing that Haaland's doing is the opposite of what a defender thinks he's going to do. Is that, is that why? Because we've marvelled at the number of times where the ball just seems to drop to him all the time. Is that why that happens? Yes. And the, and the the guys around, look at Nunez's assist mm. for him. He could only, you, you mentioned it earlier, Sam, that he could only put it in one area and it was the back post and Haaland just, you know, nodded it back across goal into the back of the net. But it's the rapport of knowing where he wants the ball. And I wonder whether they actually train the types of crosses they're going to put in on certain areas of the pitch. We used to have it at, at England. We used to have a one, two, three crossing zone, you know, basic. You know, crossing's more than that now. Crossing is more than that. It's it's intricate. You look. It's at, almost like it's a pass. It's a pass. Yeah, it's not a. It's not a percentage ball that you've got to go. Yeah, win. it's yeah. it's actually a pass. It's an it's an assist, and the margin of where the ball can go is so small that the timing has to be impeccable, and that's why the rapport of Haaland with these players around him is integral. But Haaland's movement just creates it. But obviously, one of the interesting things about Haaland and his adaptation and the cities. City players' adaptation to him. And I think it goes back to, we've already mentioned that that Burnley game when Guardiola bollocked him for it. Because he is always wanting the ball, but there's an adaptation there of Guardiola was like, well, we'd lost the ball twice with players trying to play that ball through. It was nearly half-time. He should know, game management-wise, that Bernardo made the right decision not to pass to him. And that was why he took issue with him then. And obviously he did it in front of the cameras just because he's an emotional guy and just, you know can't really control himself. But that's been a big adaptation last season. The amount of times you would see, obviously, De Bruyne giving him the ball, fine. But even amazing players like Gundogan and, and Bernardo, they wouldn't always play that pass. And he'd run in behind and he'd be really pissed off. And those guys wouldn't do it. But then, again, you feel you think of the adaptation. I remember, and I've said this before on the podcast, so apologies to anyone who's bored of me hearing it, but sometimes we get to sit next, next to the analysts uh, when they're in the press box. And at Spurs, that, that game when Carragher said, you know, maybe he's picked the wrong team. There was a, you can imagine City set up for that game, especially the way they were playing then. It's the typical Guardiola. Don't give the ball away cheaply over long distances. Don't force it. Make sure the lines are compact. So the first like 20 seconds of the game, Bernardo's got the chance to play Haaland in behind with like a 20, 30 yard pass. He doesn't do it. He goes, he goes wide. The analysts are pissed off because he doesn't make the pass. But you can imagine Pep's words are ringing <laughs> in Bernardo's ears. Oh, yeah. Don't give the ball away in these situations. Teacher's but, pet. But, you, yeah. but you also have got to find Haaland. And these players are thinking, well, especially with the false nine for a couple of years, with, they're thinking, we've, we've got to keep this ball. Yeah. But also we've got to know the right moment to do this. And that's been something that they've been 
kind of struggling with, I would say. But then now they've got Kovacic in. And Kovacic is looking for it all the time. Because Kovacic <laughs> almost he's, hasn't been brainwashed into the false nine way of thinking. Kovacic is just a yeah. normal footballer who's looking for a striker's run. You've, got to, you've, got, you've got to keep the ball. You've got to keep the ball. You've got to play Haaland in, but you've not got to lose the ball and you've got to do it at the right time. Yeah, exactly. It's impossible. <laughs> that, but that's the standard. But also it's like Kovacic hasn't had, the, like I say, that brainwashing of the false nine. And it's interesting to see City's adaptation there. And maybe Nunes, the more we see it as well, but particularly Kovacic, because Kovacic is taking people on. And as he's... He's beaten three or four men already off the dribble and he's already straight away looking for Haaland. And sometimes it's getting cut out, but you think that's going to be such a weapon. And that's another adaptation to how mm. City are kind of moving on and why people ask me, you know, for my opinion, will Haaland, like, do you think Haaland can score as many goals as he did last year or will he get more? I was like, well, of course. Of course I think he can, whether he will or not. Maybe he gets injured, maybe his finishing's bad, whatever. But City, you're only going to create more chances for him. Yeah. With Kovacic, who I like to call a microwave midfielder. Here we go. Microwave midfielder, go on. Because... <laughs> I don't even know, go on. How old is he? He's 20, 28? 29, 28, 29. Like 20s. So he's probably past his peak, but he's ready to go. But that's irrelevant in terms of the microwave analogy. Heat him up for two minutes and he's ready to go. Okay. He, he doesn't need... Some things you can put in the microwave for a lot longer. Well, it depends if it's frozen. <laughs> <laughs> but he wasn't frozen. Chicken. Go on. <laughs> he... I'm on your side here. Sorry, I'm just, he's, I, he's I, I, after last time, I'm trying to make the analogies as kind of clean as possible, and I feel Izzy's is, 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 is fine. This, this is, is clean. This is clean, yeah. Well, that's another one, isn't it? Washing machine, washing machine players. Give them, you give them like a, a dirty pass and it comes out clean. <laughs> <laughs> that makes sense. I like it. That's, this, that's, this, that's, this, City are full of them. This has been round and round and round for 20 minutes. First. Well, that's what it's like being in a rondo at Man City. Yeah. <laughs> in the middle of a rondo. We used to call it a dishwasher or a washing machine, depending on what your job is that day. But no, he, he's... He's come into City, and it's it's a credit to the recruitment because people are probably looking at why have City signed Kovacic? Yeah, a bit random, but it's exactly like you say his ball carrying ability to give City that next step of hmm. unpredictability this season. And the other thing is Rodri moving a bit higher, yeah, which is another you know tweak in in the system that we see. Um, he's so comfortable with People it. weren't expecting Rodri to play higher. People are like, oh, Rodri's a number six, he stays a number six. Mm. Oh, yeah, he scored in the Champions League final, but that's because the ball fell to him. But people, Somebody sent to me recently, I messaged a coach saying, what, what is it you like particularly about Rodri? And he mentioned the goal-scoring threat, and he was like, if you look at Busquets, he's obviously amazing. Like, it's not normal for a number six to score that many goals, even in that area. It's like Busquets would play an amazing pass through, and that's Rod- fine. And Rodri's 90% of the time are important. But Rodri will hit it. Yeah, you you yeah. mentioned yeah. that they're important as well, but he will hit it. And he can either pass it in that goal against Villa for the two-all on the last game of the season where he's passing it in for about 25 yards. Or obviously, he can just thunder it as well. Um, <laughs> but yeah, there is there is that element of it. In terms of like little footballer analogies and things like that. Do, I they, swear all have I heard... be, do they all have to be in the kitchen? Is that the other thing? Well, no, but here's what I swear I heard <laughs> Who's this recently. Who's an footballer? I swear I heard this recently and nobody... <laughs> kitchen and nobody appliances only. I don't know if it was I was watching like an interview on Sky or whatever. Maybe I dreamt it. But somebody, this they were talking good. about players... Yeah, they were talking about players who were like <laughs> either natural born talent or like they work at it or whatever. But I swear somebody said some, and it was like, and it didn't miss a beat. He was like, some some players are Maybelline and some players need to like a bit more time on the training. And you think, does that mean born with it? It has to be. Maybe she's born with it. Maybe, Maybe it's Maybelline. Maybelline. Yes. Yeah, yeah. But okay. that is great. Some yeah. players are Maybelline. I like, I like but that. Hang I on. used one last season. Hang on. Hang on. Because, well, I, because I, 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 you're, you're on this all the time. back to the kitchen. Right, fine. Back fine. to the kitchen. And yes, this is the female saying. <laughs> the amount of jokes that go around about that, but that's another <laughs> it's story. It's not a joke, is it? 
It's not a joke. I Lauren Hemp scored a goal last season for City against Chelsea, a massive game, right? She caught it on the half volley inside of the left wing position. She hit it straight like an arrow into the far right top corner. But she hit it, you know, when you catch a ball on the half volley and it rises, right? And I said on commentary... Don't nod. You've got no idea. He's like, yeah, I know the feeling. I know the feeling. I can't catch a cross, mate. I'm not... You can't catch a cold. That's not... That's an obvious one. That's an old one. I used to say, I used to say, I said, sorry about this Lauren Hemp finish, it had baking powder in it. Because it rises. Because it rises. <laughs> and then I got... I got... And I, I say it in training as well. I say it in training all the time. Oh, take the baking powder out of that one if it goes over. But I said it because... It was rising nicely, yeah. right? And then I got outed on the Football Clichés podcast. Oh, One of my mates texted me and said, you, you've made it onto Football Clichés. I was thinking, oh, God, what now? And he said, this is awful. And I was like, yeah. Awful? Yeah. I like that. I like, oh, I like the baking powder one. That subject to opinion, I guess, but... No, I'm just thinking with the Maybelline one. Like the phrase, the, 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 the slogan is maybe she's born with it yeah. or maybe it's Maybelline, suggesting that Maybelline is oh, the difference. Is, yeah. So if you're not born with it, yeah, 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 then yeah. you need Maybelline yeah, to see. make yourself up to the level oh, of people that are born with it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that makes sense, actually. So that's one of those things where it does make it does make sense and you know exactly what they mean, but also it's wrong. It, it is wrong, yeah. Well, maybe I'll never catch on for that reason. <laughs> but I swear I heard it recently. I was like, I, I like that. I can live with that. Imagine if you just dreamt that. It, I wouldn't. I wouldn't be surprised. We'll never know. <laughs> Did Sam tell you how I judge a new signing? No, I need to know this now. Get a new sign, if you get a new signing coming in, I obviously know a bit about them, but bit the reputation. But for me, silently in my own head, I judge them in a rondo. Okay. That's it. First training session. You know, make sure I'm in the same rondo as them. And I'll, I'll be judging. Are you also doing the classic thing that even we've heard of, where you're like fizzing the ball at them? No, 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 don't be, don't be harsh. Like, oh, okay. Maybe for a bit of banter on their first touch. No, like just let them, let them settle in, feel it, settle in, and then that for me that's everything in a football match or on though. It's an angle, it's your pressing, it's weight, everything. She told me this as we were walking into a coffee shop because she was going to get on to. She judges. She also judges people based on what coffee they order. Two things. Oh God! <laughs> Don't rond- start with them. A rondo, and your coffee order. That's that's the only way I work. What's your coffee order? Adam? I don't drink coffee, mate. You don't want to start a, with them. That's a bit weird, though. How can you not drink coffee? That's the tip what? of the iceberg. <laughs> I've never met someone who doesn't drink coffee. Well, I mean, if we'd have done this podcast a year ago, I probably would have said I don't. But but now you're on. You've got my basic the, bitch order. Yeah, the basic bitch order. <laughs> Oat. <laughs> Milk latte with a caramel shot at eight AM in the morning, like. Yeah, but isn't what that, is what, that about? But what? When would you have that? Uh, probably more in the afternoon, but morning. generally yeah, but speaking, it's basic. I'm, I'm staying out. It's with basic this. bitch coffee. It is. I, I mean, that's like I some of my pumpkin spice latte type thing. I wouldn't. Yeah, well, I wouldn't. No, I'm not doing the pumpkin. That's that's. <laughs> I'm too self-aware to have a, a pumpkin a spice PSL. latte. That, yeah, exactly. I'm not. I'm not having a PSL, regardless of it being October <laughs> or whatever. But I. <laughs> Yeah, but that's just I. When, I just that's didn't a good time to have that coffee, right? You have coffee in the morning. Yeah, I mean the timing. I guess I'm not necessarily as judgmental on, but I just I did not expect you to order an oat milk latte with caramel syrup. The, the, I had my wife has that, and normally it's like if I'm ordering what she's going to have, because she only just started drinking it recently. But if I'm ordering what she's going to have, I'll just go two of them rather than say, "Can I have it with oat milk?" And then the normal whatever. I'll just have the same as that, and it tastes good. 
depends. As long as you and that's, like and that's all that matters, isn't it? Like whether it, as long as you enjoy it, it's all that matters, yeah. Yeah. Well I enjoy it. And also I enjoy being shit in Londos. <laughs> <laughs> That's it for this episode of Let Me Talk Details. And Sam, there was more from this episode for members. Uh, what's out there? Yeah, we did Izzy's thoughts on how City might move forward after Pep. But again, loads of different things got thrown into the mix. And yeah, it's definitely worth a listen. If you'd like longer ad-free versions earlier, then all the useful links are in the episode description and over on lmtpod.com. If you want to ask us a question or send us a voice note on Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok, just search for LMTPod. Or if you want to send us an email, hello at LMTPod.com is the way to do it. All the useful links are in the episode description and over on LMTPod.com. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time.